Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, a late goal leads to another game-changing result. It's become the New York Red Bulls calling card, and they're playoff bound for the 11th straight season. How Aaron Long heads the Red Bulls towards another postseason journey. And midfielder Florian Velo is with us as well. The Shet Messing Podcast begins now. Undefeated in five games, that's a season-high streak for the team. And as the Red Bulls celebrate a one-to-nothing victory over the New England Revolution, they also celebrate a place in the postseason again, as they've done each year since 2010. I'm Steve Cangelosi, a season that seemed lost at times this season. Shep, it is very much alive and fun again. Simply put, that was a huge victory over a conference rival that was playing pretty well. Well, Steve, you know, only in sports can things turn around in a minute, right? And it started with Caden Clark, signs a contract, scores a goal, and now many weeks later, we're looking at a, a totally different picture for this New York Red Bulls team. We're, we're excited about it. We broadcast the games, you could tell the players are excited. And hey, look, right now they're feeling like sky's the limit. There wasn't much to this game for the first, let's say, 60 minutes. Shep, what were we watching during that time? Yeah, and we predicted that, Steve. We've been broadcasting New England Revolution Red Bulls games, and they always look like this, right? They're, they're not a, li- a lot of uh, possession, build up. It's, it's a physical game. It's, it's slow at times, it's tedious, it's long balls. You know, teams like to say we want to be tough for teams to play against us. Well, look, the New England Revolution are like that. Uh, we heard from Bruce Arena. Uh, he thinks they're a little bit underrated. They're never blown out of a game. So this is what you get. They played a similar game up at Gillette Stadium earlier this season, 1-1, and not, not a pretty game to watch. And this, I think, is the weight that the Red Bulls had on their shoulders for this game. Because even with all the dramatic finishes and Brian White doing what he did and the good vibe that was around this team, they know that in their home arena, they had won only three times all season long. Listen to Bradley Carnell. This was post-game and what he wanted to rectify because you could tell the Red Bulls' lack of success in their stadium was eating at him. This uh, arena deserved more in terms of the last 10 years. I think it's the, the, the highest record in the MLS uh, for wins um, and points uh, accumulated in the last 10 years. So, and this was the message to the players tonight. You know, we're playing at home and we have to dominate this like our fortress. Um, and and uh, yeah, we demanded excellence of ourselves on the night. It wasn't excellent, but it was excellent defending at certain times. And uh, we made an excellent play at the death there to, to seal the three points. So very happy. The backdrop to a scoreless game is that you and I knew there were playmakers on each bench, and that was going to change the entertainment value, if nothing else, of what happened on Wednesday night. Yeah, no doubt about it. As we broadcast the game and we looked at who's available on the bench for both teams, we were hoping we could make the substitutions, right? Get those guys into the game. Go for it. And that's what happened, Steve. Great substitutions on both sides for New England and Red Bulls. 
and we were watching a different game. The ball was moving around. They were spraying it. They were going a goal completely different. Carlos Heal and Lee Wynn were the available options that came on to try to trigger the New England Revolution to something special. We thought that Kaku perhaps would be in a starting role. This was his first competitive game in 25 days. How did he look when he did enter? Yeah, and I was worried about it, Steve. I said it on air. Look, he hasn't played in a long time. The trip, he didn't play a minute in the international games. So, yeah, practice is one thing. How is he going to look? He looked great. He, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. And, look, he's a player this Red Bulls team need on the field. Okay, let's get to the dramatic moment. And keep in mind that I did say to you on air, what was your gut telling you? Maybe about three minutes before this actually happens. You just shrugged, and I think you verbalized, I don't know. Well, the Red Bulls are in a corner, 89th minute. Of course, Kaku enters the game. He's going to take the kick. It's an outswinger, and this is the result. Clearly, they're going for it here. Kaku will swing this ball out. Parker on it. Long! Go! Aaron Long to the rescue late! 89th minute, Red Bulls have the lead! For the third consecutive game, late magic, it's 1-0. Kids, look at this play! Central defenders. Parker gets up, flicks it to his partner, and bang. I was given Aaron Long man of the match before this goal. Aaron Long was good all night. This was poetic justice, wasn't it? Yeah, you got that right because we talked about it all game. Aaron Long was playing as well as we've ever seen him play. And his sidekick, Tim Parker, the same. That game last night against New England, those two guys together played the best games we've ever seen them play. So you talk about poetic justice, both players involved in the goal. We spoke with Aaron Long on the MSG broadcast when it was done, and we asked how rewarding this is for a player who doesn't get the opportunity to score all that much as a center back, but this is his eighth career goal, and it comes in a very big spot. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, the team worked their ass off all game long. Um, it's been a long time coming since we got this win at home. Um, three points is huge. Um, as this playoff run winds down, uh, and, and we're all pushing for that, uh, to be over the line on that, on that playoff spot, uh, it just feels really good, and, and I know the guys deserve it today. Aaron, I thought in the first 45 minutes, you especially with Tim Parker, they were getting wide and they were whipping balls in. I counted six, seven, eight times. You guys both made plays. What changed? What changed in the second half? Yeah, I think we tightened things up in the second half. Uh, we talked about things in the first half uh, at halftime. Uh, we made a couple adjustments tactically. We brought some guys on, some fresh legs, uh, and we started to limit their attack a little bit more. And we're able to get on the ball a little bit better and, and create some chances. We were extremely concerned after you apparently took a knock earlier in the second half. Obviously, the good news, you stay in the game. You have the big moment and the end, but was... Can you take us through that incident and whether or not you were thinking my night might be done? Uh, no, I knew I was going to be all right. Uh, just a little daze, took a little time to, to get my head back again. But, uh, yeah, feel fine now. Um, uh, thanks to the trainers, get me some water and stuff. But, yeah, all good. 
How good was it to get those subs into the game? A little creativity, sort of lit a fire going forward. Definitely. I think they changed the game. Uh, we started creating more chances. We started getting on the ball a little bit more. Uh, I still think we could be a little bit cleaner here at home and, and dominate a little bit more, and we'll talk about that. But um, it was a great reaction from the group. And again, I think the subs really made the game there at the end. And this sets up now a very interesting matchup Sunday night at Yankee Stadium because each one of these teams in the New York Derby has had issues this year. We'll break it down more specifically in a few moments, but they're both feeling good about their games right now. Yeah, Look, Steve, we always talk about these derbies and, you know, when are they meaningful? Well, this one's now meaningful, right? Because both teams have turned around their season. Both teams are fighting for that high playoff spot. You've got a real game that means something. So I can't wait for the game. Who knows? But they're both ready to play, and it means a lot, this game. He is now in his third MLS season and one of two New York Red Bulls players to appear in every game this season. That alone is significant because for so much of the previous two years, Florian Velo was not on the field. There was an ACL tear of the left knee that cut short 2018, an ACL tear of the right knee that cost him all but two games last year. Florian, thanks for being with us, and I'll start with this. It must feel good right now just to be playing and, of course, winning as you did Wednesday night. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. And, yeah, of course, it's it's great to be able to be taking part in every game this year. Um, finally have a full season, even though it's not over yet. But, yeah, I'm really satisfied with how it's going. Florian, I always tell young players – advice boys and girls there are two things you have to do love the game play with a smile and never quit never quit it seems to me you're the perfect example of that yeah yeah uh, i think uh, i think it sums it up pretty well um it's been a really tough journey to get here and i think uh i could have said like i'm i'm over it like i don't want to keep going keep fighting for it but after all i've been through it was the only thing it was my dream to play a professional and I want to do that as much as I can. And, and to be honest, I think those two injuries made me a little bit stronger physically and mentally as well. So I think there's a good years in front of me. What got you through the rehab and who got you through the rehab? Uh, what got me through it would be probably a mindset and the people around me. I think uh, the staff at Red Bulls and the staff at HSS were great. Uh, I had a lot of support from my teammates and the team as well. So I think that had a major impact on, on the way I, I was able to come back. Florian, I've, I've read a lot about your family and the stress for education and also your mother, your father, your brothers. Your father seemed to be a man of all things, a father first, a coach, even an agent when he really wasn't an agent. Talk to us about your family. Yeah, they've been they've been uh, there every, for every step of the way. They they had an emphasis on on, on going to school and finishing the education, uh, especially when I was back home in France when I was in the academy. It's never easy to do both when you're there because you're always away from your family and you tend to focus more on on, on practicing games so you can get that 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 price which is like the first professional contract but they always pushed me to do well in school as well and and thanks to them otherwise I wouldn't be I wouldn't have that opportunity to come here in the U.S. and, and play 
because you have to have a good um, education background with good grades to be able to come here. And and for them, I thank uh, I thank them. And and as you mentioned, my dad has been there. He's been my agent back home when I was uh, was younger. Uh, now that he retired, he's probably going to take care of me a little bit more, which which I'm really excited about. So so it's great. Honestly, it's amazing to have uh, that kind of support. I think people forget how good you were in your first MLS season, Florian, directly factoring into eight goals on a very good team that won Supporters' Shield, of course. And it was clear that you were MLS ready. The road traveled for you was an interesting one. Born in France, as you mentioned, how does one even get selected for the Paris Saint-Germain system? It was a weird transition because I was coming back from, we had spent three years in Scotland, uh, and I was coming back to my uh, to my town in Paris, and my dad tried to uh, get me into the PSG Academy, which didn't work in the first place, and I uh, ended up getting selected through uh, regional tryouts, which was another like different and difficult road to get there. But from there, I just I don't know what to explain. It's such a weird weird journey to be to go be going to maybe the top top ten academy in france to college year and now mls which is it's amazing i think uh if i had hadn't done that i wouldn't be here today for sure two of the coaches talked about really your your playing at your best when you're happy and and i know your rider coach talked to you about that i know jesse marsh talked to you about that and you've also spoken very openly about speaking to a sports psychologist and you wanted people to know that's not a bad thing are you better a better player when you're happy yeah i am better i am better and i want to thank jesse for this because he pushed me to do this uh i was never going to do it on my own talk to a sports psychologist but it kind of like helped me open my mind and 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 try to um be as happy as i can on the field because it is when you enjoy the game when you, you you find a way to enjoy the game. This is where you you can perform, and, and I think it's great. And, and I think we don't use uh, those tools like talking to our sports psychologists enough. Uh, and that's something I would love to uh, maybe study or keep doing after I play, after I'm done playing. Tell us about Ryder. Well, uh, Ryder is like. It was great. Honestly, we had a, a great team, a lot of foreign players and a lot of uh, a good energy within the team. And I think the proximity to the New York Red Bulls training facility and then the connection that my coach had kind of helped me get those uh, open tryout like invites. And and yeah, if, if he hadn't been for them, I don't know if I would be here today for sure. But, but Flo, after that, even at the at the Red Bulls Combine, I think you went into the Combine with a hamstring injury, but Jesse Marsh saw something in you that he liked. Yeah, honestly, I, uh, I had come back from, uh, I went to Vegas. I was in Vegas the week prior to uh, the Red Bull tryout uh, for another tryout with Seattle, NYC, and Toronto. And I wanted to leave early because I had like that little hamstring issue and I wanted to get ready for the next ones that I had. And to be honest, I never thought that Jesse would call me back after the track because I didn't think I had done well enough to, to, to get that call. But fortunate enough, when I got back from um, 
vacation on in January 2016. He called me and asked me to come practice with him. So again, I don't know what he saw in me. I never really asked, but but I'm really thankful for it. Tell me about the team now. First of all, there's a Red Bulls 2 contingent that has sort of gone through this process together. You with players like Aaron Long and Sean Davis. Does that help in any way now, years later? Of course. The the, the way um, this club is set up with the, the, the their second team is to build. Uh, they have the same philosophy. So you go through this path and then you get into the MLS. There's no real difficult transition to make because you already know how they play. It's probably just a little bit faster and more physical. And, and, and yeah, at the time when I played USL, the year we won the USL, we had such an amazing team with an amazing talent. Uh, Tyler Adams, Derek Etienne, Aaron Long, and so on. And, and being able to, to play with them like three or four years later, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great. I have to start talking about the team today. And, and one of the things you've done so well is you're so versatile as a player. You, you could really play as a 10, a 6, an 8. You could play wide in the midfield. Uh, do you have a preference? Where do you feel best? I like, I like, the, I like being on the, on, the, on the wing as an 8 uh, because I try to – I really enjoy assisting, like giving passes, good passes. Which I hadn't done, I haven't done really well this year, unfortunately. But uh, I've I've learned to really like playing as a six as well. But to be honest, I think uh, I'm just enjoying playing right now. Anywhere I can, I'll play and I'll try to do my best to help the team succeed. And and I hope it continues until uh, until the very end and hopefully December 12. On the post-game show after your most recent win, we talked about this with Bradley Carnell, Florian. I know the traditionalists do not like the five-substitution rule, but has this almost played to your team's strengths, and what has it been like going potentially every three and four days? Because it seems you guys now are navigating that better than most teams in the league. Yeah, like our our system and our culture is like – it's a lot of running, a lot of pressing and being able to bring five subs. It's like almost half of the team with a lot of energy. It's, it's huge. And and, then we can keep pressing for 90 minutes, the, the opponent. So it's been, it's been good. And, and honestly, we have a really competitive roster. Like every, every player is, is fighting for the spot and it makes us better. And, And yeah, so like definitely those five subs have been really, a big uh, positive things for, for our team. Flo, how and, and when during the game, during the run of play, do you change where you're going to press, higher up or a little further back in the midfield? Does it come from Bradley on the sideline? Does it come from maybe a Sean Davis on the field? How and when do you decide where that line of pressure is going to be? Well, it depends. Uh, being of the game, like we 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 tend to have a game plan, but of course, it's never the same for ninety minutes, and we have to adjust on the field. So, in the likes of Tim Parker and Long, Ryan Mara and Sean Davis, we tend to move tend to move the line up or stay more compact based on how other players around us are feeling. Uh, and it's something we've done pretty well lately, and I think we keep keep working on it to get even better. And, and so it's really positive. Your confidence is peaking at the right time as a team, it seems. 
And all of this is with a backdrop of a new head coach coming in, potentially before this season even comes to an end. Tell me what you expect of incoming coach Gerhard Struber in terms of how his arrival might affect this team's style of play, or do you expect it to be somewhat very similar to what we're seeing now? Um, I think it could. It, it might be hard to change the whole culture and the way we play, and I think he's probably going to have a similar – keep a similar idea. Uh, but, of course, with a new coach comes new idea. Uh, right now, unfortunately, he's not here with us right now, but the whole staff and Brad have been in touch with him, and, and, and they've done an amazing job so far. So once he gets there, once he starts implementing, it's probably next year his new ideas. We, we're going to start working on it. But right now we're so focused on what we're doing and, and the way we work with Brad. Florian, obviously two games left. The way you've played, the team has played the last four or five games, you've put yourself in a real good position. I, I almost feel this season so crazy. You get in the playoffs, anybody can win this thing. Do, do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, of course. It's it's a one game. Uh, it's a one game playoff. Is a not, one game knockout. So a- anything can happen. You can beat the the first or second or and 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 the way we've been playing and the way we've been finishing games has been so much different from the previous years. And I think we can build confidence on that and keep working on those. And I think we can we can surprise more than one team. What is the locker room like prior to a game against New York City? It's always special, of course. It's it's a it's a derby. It's a derby weekend, and and of course the only thing we want is win that game. Uh, everybody's focused, of course, tired because we just played, but we just have a quick turnaround and get ready for for Sunday. It's going to be a really tough battle at Yankee Stadium. What challenge does that field present for the team? Uh, it, it's the postage stamp of MLS, as everybody calls it, Florian. Uh, I don't know how to answer that question because I've never had the chance to play there. Uh, okay. I was I was hurt. My first ACL was like the week of the, the first derby uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I heard, it's not the best stadium. It's really small, which, which can play in our favor with the pressing. But... I don't really know what to expect, so it's going to be a first for me. I'll give you some advice. When you're in a wide position, you're closer to the goal than you think, so shoot. <laughs> okay, we'll do. <laughs> okay. Florian, this was terrific. We really appreciate your time, and good luck for the balance of this season. And who knows, you might be playing with this team as the weather gets much colder than it is now. I know that's the fans' hope. Thanks for being with Hopefully. us. Hopefully. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Florian. So as we brace now for Sunday's game at Yankee Stadium, I think each one of these teams is on a bit of an emotional high, and each now with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder as well, which I think creates for an interesting dynamic. A lot of people thought the Red Bulls were dead in the water. They're not. Many keep saying New York City can't overcome all these losses to so many key players. Yeah, I think that's right, Steve, but... I give the Red Bulls the edge in this game, but you just alluded to the injury factor for New York City FC. I think that's going to give them a lift. You know, it's almost circle the wagons, right? Everything's against us. We've lost key players. They still have a good team, Steve. The team is good. So they're going to circle their wagons. They're defending their home, Yankee Stadium. This is going to be a good one.
each one of these clubs has clinched a playoff berth already. Don't read into that, that there's some sort of comfort level, though, that either might bring into this game. Well, this is Ryan Mara's first year as the number one goalkeeper on this club. When you think about it, since his rookie season, he had that little cup of coffee with New York City playing one game for the club several years ago. He knows how precarious this situation was. He was asked post-game about the string of results the Red Bulls have put together and what exactly they mean in the big picture. Really season-changing goals, because if we don't score those, you know, these, these late goals in the last three games, um, you know, our, our season and the standings look a whole lot different right now. So I think it just speaks to the character of the team, you know, whether we're down a goal or it's tied or, or uh, you know, like in Atlanta, we're hanging on to, to keep the, keep the lead. Like we just like to, we dig in and, and we, we like to be tough to play against. And um, yeah, it's only going to get tougher from here on out. That's the message we keep saying. And um, so hopefully we can build on this, build on the last couple performances. And we know we got a tough one Sunday. Mara will be the starting goalkeeper in all likelihood for the first time in one of these. This has to be special for the young man from Crestwood, New York. Yeah, and you just talked about that one game that Ryan Mara played for NYCFC, and I'll never forget it because he made a mistake in that game, and he was texting with me after the game, even though he was on the opposition, and I pointed out what I thought he could do better. He can't wait to get back on the field in Yankee Stadium. He'd love to get a shutout and a win. New York City still stinging, perhaps, from a loss at Red Bull Arena in controversial fashion, you might recall. The Kyle Duncan goal that, well, some people still aren't sure whether or not it should have counted. It did. New York City looks to avenge that Sunday night at Yankee Stadium. We'll have it 7 o'clock on MSG and pregame coverage that begins at 6.30. Thanks for listening to the Shep Messing Podcast. Believe in soccer. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.